Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Monday, May 1st, 2023. Industry standards play an important role in ensuring that products and services are safe, reliable, and high quality, while also promoting innovation and interoperability. First of all, they help to ensure consistency and interoperability between different products and services. Standards often include requirements for things like performance, reliability, and safety, which can help to ensure that products and services meet certain minimum requirements. Finally, industry standards can help drive innovation and efficiency. By setting out a common framework for how things should be done, standards can help to encourage the development of new and better ways of doing things. Unfortunately, the benefits of industry standards are muted when a single company controls the standards, forcing users to use their products or services. The Apple and Windows ecosystems are good examples of two competing industry standards that force iPhone users to stay in the Apple ecosystem and deny Windows users the advantage of accessing text messages on Windows PCs in a robust manner. To discuss Calix's commitment to genuine industry standards that maximize benefits for broadband service providers and by extension, users, is Bob Carrick, the company's global strategic lead of the Calix Cloud. Bob, how are you? I'm good, thanks for having me, appreciate it. Good to be here. Bob, you're a fellow New York guy. You know, we 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 chatted a few weeks ago about um, you're in Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken. And I hope you had a chance to go to Hoboken and go to my my grandfather's store. But I bet you haven't. But uh, not not as of yet. But it's certainly on the list. Thank you. And I can assure you, my uh, my grandfather's food at Fiori's. This is a, a shameless plug. Um, there's nothing about, about industry standards. That is a unique. <laughs> it, it's a, it's an Italian standard. Yeah, it is an Italian standard. So what I want, this is an incredibly important topic. Um, I, I don't think people get how important this is, and we'll certainly um, go into that. But before we dive into that, what I want to do is bring up your background, because I always find it's helpful, frankly, to talk a little about a person's background who's on my podcast. So let's talk a little about you. Uh, funny, right? I really did get my career started in standards back in 1999 with point-to-point protocol over Ethernet, very heavily adopted standard today, not here as much in the U.S., as it is per se in other parts of the world, but very heavily adopted standard. Uh, from there, I went on to, to evolve and include TR-069 in my portfolio. That was in 2004. I've been a consultant for those different types of protocols. TR-069, for example, is the world's largest standard for remote management of residential gateways with 1 billion managed systems around the world today. Um, over the 25 years of my career, I've been at different broadband service providers as well as like Calix for the last six years in the software side of the world and continuing to not only evolve my role as standards and and my part in that world, but also helping Calix evolve and and focusing in on industry standards, such as the evolution of TR-069 to TR-369, which is the user services platform. Uh, We're going to talk obviously a lot more about specific standards today, but that's a little bit of a look at my background and introduction into standards. No, I think that's an incredibly important topic to talk about. And, you know, basing your um, your uh, tenure at those other companies, you're obviously the right person to talk to about uh, this topic. But what I want to do is before we get into the 
just a small handful of slides that we have. There's a great um, uh, kickoff presentation that you had, uh, that not you, but the, the Calix had at the, its um, Connections Conferences, which I've been to several, and it's a great event that you guys do every year. Uh, and uh, Matt Collins, uh, one of your senior executives, did this terrific keynote. It's probably about 20 minutes in length, but I cut out a clip that I think encapsulates um, you know, industry standards, why they're so important. And it's a really, really good, I think, um, uh, precursor to the topic we're gonna get into. So let me bring that up for a second. It's only about a couple of minutes. And one of the things that really has become so much important, more important in our mind is industry standards. Uh, this proverb, which is one of my favorites, you know, don't go alone. You can do that if you want to go fast. You want to go far, go together. I think that really speaks to our community. And as we've looked at what's happening in our industry and how fundamental what you do is becoming, industry standards have become a priority that we are doubling down on. And we want to start a dialogue with all of you about how that impacts your strategy. Our service, your service, is becoming as essential as electricity, water, and heat. And our society's recognizing it. People are talking about the fourth utility. And if you look at these incredibly important industries for our society, every single one of them has an amazingly strong foundation built on standards. And we believe that at this time, our focus on standards has to become just as sharp for our industry so that we can benefit all of us as well as society. Because when standards work, these three things happen. Innovation, growth, but most importantly, when the benefits accrue, they accrue to everyone. There's flexibility and there's support for every community because the standards are consistent everywhere, whether you're in the smallest town or the biggest city. I, I can't tell you, you know, how strongly I feel about what those words that Matt um, uttered there. And of course, this, this is about a year and a half old, and, but the, the, they really resonate. And I love the linkage to the utilities analogy uh, in that, you know, heat, water, uh, and um, electricity. I mean, can you imagine what the pandemic would have been like without internet usage? And, and, and of course, people, I, I, some do, obviously, in the technology space, there are some people that understand it's as critical as those three other items, but it really is. And in the industry standards, I mean, could you imagine, you know, as an analogy, building a house today, building a house from a plumbing standpoint without industry standards, it'd be impossible, you know? Uh, and you can apply that to a variety of different things that we take for granted every day. So I love it. I think that's a great clip. Um, I'm going to make that clip available separately because I th it's such a compelling articulation of what we're going to talk about. But let's get into that for a second. And, you know, right off the bat, for the uninhibited, you know, what are industry standards, uh, Bob, from your perspective? How would you define it, you know, in kind of an ele elevator uh, definition type of way? Yeah, no, appreciate it. It's, you know, I always like to say all questions are good questions, right? They really are from that perspective. I think the, the wrong question is the not asking. So specifications are obviously, are well, standards are specifications that are written by industry bodies. 
industry, the great thing about industry bodies is that they're not independent companies in this, in that sense, right? They are made up of people and companies in that industry. You might hear reference to, especially in our world, obviously the broadband forum or IEEE or the Wi-Fi Alliance or ITU-T, right? These are organizations made up of like-minded people, whether they be service providers and software vendors. So you get it from both sides of that puzzle and they're coming together to create, let's use, you know, TR-069 as an example, right? TR-069 was created by the DSL forum at the time. They quickly realized that they, they were pigeonholing themselves to one thing, so they made it the broadband forum. And it was created because um, broadband, you, who would, could we even call them broadband service providers in 2004, but internet service providers in 2004 were handcuffed to a protocol like SNMP, which wasn't scalable and didn't work in a NATed environment, as an example, where a, a system or a device was inside a home behind a public IP address, right? It's limited. And so the industry came together and said, we have these challenges. How can we work together to solve them? And if you look across all of those different bodies that I made examples of, there are examples of every one of those today. Um, you know, if you look at the Wi-Fi Alliance, right, they're championing things like EasyMesh or Passpoint or Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 7 that some people might hear of and you probably will have conversations on your podcast about. So really it's us coming together as a community to solve a problem in a way that can benefit multiple parties at the end of the day. Mm. And, and talk a little bit about the fact that industry standards uh, that what happened again again not, not i don't want to mention any other company names i won't do that <laughs> but you know when it, why is it so important to recognize industry standards are really the operative word there is industry Mul you know multiple companies have to par participate in that in, in, in that industry standard to be effective and what i mean by that there's a lot of companies out there that say hey here's our industry standard you have to be standard with us and you control by the way you control the the entrance into that standard which by definition is not open. So talk a little bit about that at a, at a high level and why you know, not all industry standards are industry standards if only one company is controlling it. It's great, you know, I'll, I'll even do a call back to Matt's video, right? You did, you mentioned that it was about 20 minutes. And in fact, I appreciate seeing Matt's video in the sense that he was my opener. So if you fast forward through that, you actually see me doing a sort of more in-depth, more technical introduction from an industry perspective on certain you know, specifications and standards that are important. Um, he, I think in that same video, Matt uses an example of one of the light rail systems um, that <laughs> decided to be the only light rail system in this country that went with a different gauge rail system. So now fast forward, and I'm not gonna call them out which one it is, we can all go easily search it on the internet, but they're now stuck because all of the other organizations that support and make equipment for light rail systems are based on a standard. They all have the same standard rail gauge, et cetera. Uh, I liken it back to our industry, right? There's, you know, right now we're at XGS PON is the basically the fastest standard today, right? 10 gigabit per second PON. Well, the ITU-T is working on 50 gig PON. So 
we're part of the ITUT, so we're part of that, as are all of the other people that, that are interested in deploying fiber, whether that be manufacturers of equipment or software, as well as service providers deploying it. So we're working on that next standard, but there is a company that's actually out touting a 25 gig PON standard, one that was thrown out by the ITUT. Right. So what happens in five years when everyone's adopted 50 gig as the next standard for PON and some service providers decided to go with that one single vendor doing 25 gig? Well, what if that vendor exits 25 gig because everyone's gone with 50, right? The you and I might talk about how, how do we choose? And I guess actually this is really a nice segue. Yes. How would Calix specifically choose what standard we're going to go and adopt for, as an organization personally to us? Because not all standards have legs. Yes. And, you know, like, you know, the 50 gig versus 25, it really, there always has to be a bit of a tipping point. I'll use... Um, a really relevant today example, right? 50 gig is still being written and, you know, and everyone's, it's probably easily five years out, but we'll look at TR-369, right? 069 is a billion managed systems globally today. There are multiple vendors in the space, both from a server side and a, and a CPE side or a system side and multiple, like basically every broadband service provider in the world is deployed with someone's technology in reference to that specification. So why TR369, right? You know, especially, and why Calyx, right? Calyx already does streaming telemetry with an alternative methodology. We already have the ability to do containerized software management inside a residential gateway. And then there's gonna be two parts in that question. You might say, well, why do you already have that if 369 is the standard? Well, we developed it prior to 369 being available and we needed to get out into the market, but we're actually making the investment from an engineering perspective to migrate what we might call proprietary to the standard now that the standard is ready. Right. So there's that, that tipping point where one, you have to, if you're gonna make the investment to supporting it, is it, ready and is the industry basically all saying yeah we're going to adopt it and then there's also the pre to that saying okay what uh, what are we as calix going to do to invest time into helping push a standards body to create a new standard so there's there's two sides of that coin mark mm -hmm. right there's because i think one of the great things though and and maybe i'm answering it a little too early but Yes, you might jump onto a standard early, but because they're built by the industry, if it fails, we all fail and learn and grow together. Right. So there's a, a, the ability for all of us to realize, oh, like TR-069, right? Hugely popular, but it has flaws. It doesn't scale well to do streaming telemetry as an example, right? You typically are only going to talk to that managed system 1.3 times per day. Whereas with the evolution of the complexity inside the home, to be able to give a service provider the actionable insights they need to really support that broadband subscribers experience, you need stream telemetry. And, and while stream telemetry is it, it's not really good if you're only getting it every hour. 
right? Because now you've, you've got to wait 59 minutes. What if the subscriber calls at 101 and you don't have time, right? You only got the previous hour, right? So being able to grow and evolve happens when you're working together as an industry and learning. So you can take the hit sometimes and saying, oh, we really did put some investment into X standard that didn't quite make it like 25 gig pond, right? We were obviously part of the industry, but you have to know when to cut and run and say, okay, that one's not going to go. So let's focus on the next big thing. And oh, great. This one is, it's there, it's ready. Now start making that investment to doing your engineering resources to get that into your products and get support for it. So there's a little bit of a roll of the dice on when are things going to be ready and when do you make the adoption. But at the end of the day, it's because we're all growing and learning together that makes going with standards be what's best for everyone, including Galaxy. And, and just to wrap some parameters around it, the, the duration of that standard, the, the longevity of that standard, that's a critical thing. You're not looking for, uh, to, to sign up to a standard that is only going to be around for two or three years. You're literally looking at 10 plus years, if, if not even longer. And, then, and by the way, there are, standard, there are a lot of standards still around that were established 25, 30 years ago. Uh, it might be, there might be a, 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 a superseding standard that, ha, that accommodates additional functionality. But the long-term aspect, I just want you to comment on, uh, comment on for a second because that's a critical, critical, critical piece. And yeah, yeah and, and you summed it up so nicely, right? You know, if we use, let's use PON, right? It started with, you know, there's GPON, one gig PON. Right. Then you're like, well, now we're at XGS pond, 10 gig pond. We're looking at 50 gig. Those are growth iterations, Wi-Fi 5 to Wi-Fi 6 to Wi-Fi 7. Right. And a lot of the standards, because your industry built and the problems are being focused on by both sides of the coin, the broadband service provider that cares about them, the software and hardware companies that are building it. A lot of the times the standard makes it backwards compatible. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what? Exactly right. Right. So a Wi-Fi 7 capable residential gateway still supports Wi-Fi 5 only client devices. Right. We right. still see scenarios where devices inside homes are, you know, 802.11G, which was from gosh, almost 15 <laughs> years ago. You're dating yourself now. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely true. I mean, that standard has to compete, uh, not compete, but it's got to be um, uh, it has to comprehend you know, earlier forms of, 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 of technology because not everybody upgrades at the same time, wireless being a great example. I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that have older clients and they, everybody doesn't hop to 6E and ultimately to 7, you know, as much as the cable of the, uh, the wireless industry would like to see that. But let's get into some of the other things. And, and this is really important because I want to connect the dots here. There are benefits of, of, of an industry standards approach, but specific to BSPs, broadband service providers, and their subscribers. Subscribers should care about this. Broadband service provi providers should care about it. And you and I think just to bring up, you know, Calix's kind of um, uh, DNA, where you're working with BSPs that are often very not are not very large in many cases. They don't have lots of resources, and when they develop solutions or capabilities. <laughs> you tell me if I'm wrong here. My guess is they don't want to spend a modest, uh, a, a um, 
their, their limited resources and bring something to the market. And then Calix comes along saying, hey, we got this new standard. It's got all these wonderful things. You got to start again when you uh, redevelop and repurpose that, uh, that application or that capability. So let's talk about it both for, from a BSP standpoint and from a subscriber perspective. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with the broadband service providers point, right? Because you, you made a good point, right? Like, yes, Calix has customers from that have millions and millions and millions of subscribers to only a few hundred subscribers, or some are brand new and just rolling out and have 10 subscribers. We really do cross that gamut. So an example of even just one of our newest certifications where Calix systems were certified, our Wi-Fi systems were certified with the Broadband Forums 398. Um, that one has great benefits to a broadband service provider with limited resources to expand upon your point, because that standard lets the broadband service provider know that that system has been put through the rigor from a Wi-Fi performance and usage and all of those capabilities testing perspective. So when you're low on, right, we're in this very troubled or troubled isn't the right word, but this very, you know, hard resource employee shortage sort of time in, in the in the global economy. Challenging. So, we'll, call, we'll call it challenging. <laughs> I know that's exactly it, right? It's a challenging time to for everyone to get and hire the resources that we all need, especially in the broadband service provider space, right? You you know, you mentioned previously it is like, you know, electricity and, and imagine if we didn't have great access to it. And there are parts of this country that still don't, but there's a lot of funding that's building out that, that's a whole other conversation we could have about um, bringing broadband to, to the less fortunate aspects and, and parts of this country and all of the funding that's going into that. Mm -hmm. So as our broadband service provider customers are struggling to get all the resources they need, there are standards that allow them to know right out of the gate that it's going to work, it's going to do what it's needed to. So if you look at why would a subscriber care to your point? Well, if I'm giving them a Wi-Fi 7 residential gateway on behalf of the broadband service provider, they can have confidence that it's going to work with all of the devices in their homes, including the Wi-Fi 5s and 6s, 6Es from that perspective. And also, you know, you know, I'm not going to mention the company you threw out to it before. You're not going to mention the company. But let's say you went with a residential gateway that had a proprietary Wi-Fi controller. Right, mm -hmm. completely proprietary, non-industry standards. Well, what happens if that company exits the market? Those residential gateways become bricks. Yes. Right, and so the subscriber is now left stuck and having to work with their service provider, get new systems shipped to their homes, potentially installed, and the subscriber experience at the end of the day goes down in value, which hurts the service provider's brand Right, it hurts there. Right, it, it increases churn. Now they've increased more operational expenses because they've had to get calls, potentially roll trucks to people's homes. Um, but when you have a standards-based set of technologies, you can have a multi-vendor approach. If that's the, if you as a BSP so choose to have multi-vendors, you know that they're going to be able to work with one another. You know that the cloud management system can interop with those. If you you know if I throw it, you you threw a shameless plug for. Your, your folks, your uh, relatives, Italian shop, I'll throw a shameless plug for Calix. You know, we support 110 third-party systems inside Calix Support Cloud from a management perspective to be able to give insights to support that in-home experience. Also, if you look at, you're right, we did mention the pandemic. 
right? Supply chain was just a mess, but there are standards that help ease those things like easy mesh. So easy mesh knows that, you know, certain chipsets are going to work with certain chipsets. Systems are going to work with other systems. So there are just so many benefits that when you see something is supporting and certified for a standard, you already can check, you know, if your if your checklist to, you know, get a new vendor for something was a hundred boxes, you might be able to check 60, 70% of those boxes right out of the gate because they're supporting industry standards. Right. And, and honestly, you know, the example that I love, you know, you guys have done a terrific job around the whole concept of managed Wi-Fi. The average home today has 10, 20, 30, 40 uh, devices in the home that are connected. And every time I upgrade my router, I don't want to have to reinstall those. I don't want to have to reconnect them. Uh, and God knows in the old days, and the old days were not that old again, that would be four years ago. I mean, you you and I are, are fairly, are technical. I mean, hey, it's hey over the weekend. It's a, it's a, it's a joy upgrading from one, one, one kind of router to a next router, but the, the joy goes out of the room very quickly. If it takes for the average person, if it takes, you know, weeks or requires a truck roll from the BSP, which is awful when that happens. So could you imagine trying to do that type of upgrading and why, and by the way, wireless standards, there will never be a time where the market comes to a halt and says, okay, Wi-Fi 7, that's good enough. No more innovation. There'll be much, much more innovation. And that's a separate that's a separate podcast. And, you know, again, industry standards helps ease that and, and puts grease on the skids, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think the, the last reason as to why I love standards so much is since there's a specification that's written that includes both the, the, there are two sides, right? The server side, the client side, whether that's an OLT and an ONT or a cloud controller for Wi-Fi and the residential gateway, because it's both sides, it's end to end, anybody with means can go and build a competitive solution to that standard. So for me, competition sparks innovation, Yes. right? If there are multiple companies out there building to that set of specifications, those companies have to innovate. Why? Because we have to differentiate ourselves. So right. we're bringing differentiation to our customer base, our broadband service providers, and Calix does that on a strict quarterly cadence. So every quarter, we're bringing that differentiation and that innovation to our customers, and we're really enabling them to simplify their day-to-day -day operations to then excite their subscribers with all of those new innovations and differentiation. They are allowing the broadband service provider to differentiate against, you know, the A company, the V company, the C company that's in their competition in their space. And then it allows them to grow their businesses. So at the end of the day, for me, you know, I think standards actually are what are propelling us forward instead of staying back and say the days of, of Ma and Pa Bell as an example. That's exactly right. So let's just, and I, I don't want people's eyes to glaze over, but let's get into to a, just a couple of um, specific examples. You've already mentioned TRO 69 and 369. I talked about the Wi-Fi Alliance, which obviously is the group behind um, providing the, the new standards of wireless that are rolling down and we're, we're you know, just as a, a news point, you know, Wi-Fi 7, there should be some activity around that at the end of the year as the, kind of the industry locks into that. But they're already talking about Wi-Fi 8, as I've been briefed by <laughs> by them. Uh, but, you know, just shed a, little, a bit of light here, because I think the, the especially from a 
069 and the 369, which is a, is a successor to 069, why that's going to be so critical. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with 069 to 369, right? You know, and, and I hate speaking ill of 069. I literally made half my career off of that protocol and it's, and it's not going anywhere, right? A billion managed devices and systems around the world, but it has its faults, right? It was written and created originally in 2004. Times and needs have changed. It doesn't scale to do streaming telemetry. Right. And streaming telemetry now with the evolution of the complexity inside the home, right? When 069 was created in 2004, none of us had Wi-Fi inside our homes. Right. Now everything's Wi-Fi and the growth. And you mentioned, right, 20, 30, 40, 50 devices inside a home. So the needs to get insights back into the broadband service providers hands so that they can support that subscribers experience when they do get that call or to build an app so that the subscriber can do self-service yes. so the needs have evolved and 069 just can't support those so 369 is that evolution and backwards compatible right to 069 one of the again the benefits of being part of a standards body is we force those backwards requirements um, so that was one of the, the biggest is how do we evolve to be able to meet the the big data requirements that are now required by a broadband service provider and 069 just couldn't. So you have to literally evolve to a new set of standards uh, from that perspective. It's And it's kind of no different from say Wi-Fi 5 to Wi-Fi 7. Bandwidth needs inside the home have changed. Well, right? and, and, and the point I would make, which I'm sure you'll agree with, is that not all connected devices are the same. In a typical house where there are 30, 40, 50 devices, or like my place, which I think I have 50 or 60, <laughs> to be honest with you, the demands on a smart lock or a smart light is a lot less um, taxing than streaming, for example, especially if you're a competitive gamer, although I'm not, you know, the, the, the requirements built around quality of service and other aspects of providing a really immersive experience. And we, and we haven't even talked about the AR and VR, which is, you know, coming down the pipe very quickly. So, you know, from, so from a standard standpoint, it has to be able to comprehend different devices with different types of requirements and different throughputs and, uh, and demands. No, that's exactly it. And, and also, right. You know, another standard we touched on it briefly was easy mesh, right. You know, yeah. the needs inside the home, right. When you have 50, 60 devices, there are going to be dead parts of your home with just one single residential gateway. And so the ability to be able to add in a secondary unit that's meshed or a satellite or whatever term we want to use off of that residential gateway to make sure you have whole home coverage without standards, you'd be sort of stuck right and locked into a proprietary one off system versus the standards based or, you know, if you look at, you know, in in five gigahertz today, right, DFS, that's a standard. So now we can open up other channels that are used um, by, say, you know, police services and be able to have a standard that says, hey, we're going to be able to allow use of these channels, but here are the requirements to use them correctly so that they don't interfere with, say, airplane or airport, um, you know, um, services and those types of things, plus ambulance and all of those. So with standards, everyone can play and come together as opposed to when you're locked in and proprietary, uh, you potentially can do so much more harm than good. Right. So, Bob, we're coming to the end of our podcast. Any closing thoughts on this before we kind of wrap things up? If I could say one thing a second time, you know, I think 
I love the fact that standards enable competition. Because again, without that, why would a company spend all the time innovating and differentiating and those things, especially in the broadband service provider space, it's a it's a crowded, packed space in some scenarios. Yeah. But that allows you to stand ahead of your competitors and bring great experiences and, and services to your subscribers so that you can innovate and differentiate and stand apart from the next. So for me, as, as odd as it sounds, um, I really do think that competition is key so that we can all stand above the rest. So, Bob, one of the things I do want to kind of pick your mind at is that, you know, Calix has a vaunted industry um, work culture. You know, I've been working with you folks for several years and just amazing the, the commitment, the output, the talent that Calix has. From your perspective, have in, it wins awards over the place. Let me give Calix's due. <laughs> it wins lots of awards uh, for recognition of, of, of uh, not only company results, of, uh, but um, from an employee results standpoint and, and how the employees feel about the company. But from your perspective, give me a couple of minutes perspective on how this kind of dovetails into this industry standards conversation we've been having. Yeah, you know, I said right standards lead to competition and innovation and differentiation and and i think it does dovetail right into the culture everyone at calyx has a voice you know I, yes like if if someone that knows me within the company hears me saying it and they're new to the company they're like well maybe it's because you've been here for six years you're recognized in the industry for various aspects but it's truthful when I say that everyone has a voice, which means that we're all helping drive the innovation and the differentiation. I always liken Calyx to being a yes and culture as opposed to a no but, mm. um, especially in the broadband service provider space. It, it's an old industry, right? It, it does have its roots in telco as an example. And having been in it as long as I have, it's I haven't always seen Yes, and in fact, I think I've seen more no but. So when everyone has that voice and can help really drive the company, we are able to put our broadband service provider customers, partners sort of in front and speak for them internally so that we can truly help them, you know, simplify their businesses, excite their subscribers and grow their businesses. And I think at the end of the day, if you're able to step back and truly be able to have your customers best interests, which is how we started talking about standards in the first place, I think that does really go full circle from that perspective and allow you to have a really great internal employee culture that, yeah, to be fair, to give Calix a dues, we do get a lot of awards for that perspective well bob this was a was a great podcast i'm sure that i'll have you back at some point talking about um, other things related to the uh this topic and hopefully you know maybe you know i'm overly optimistic maybe one day apple and and, and microsoft will come together and says you know what 
these competing systems will allow Windows users to access um, iMessages. I know that's a silly thing, and it's it's probably a it is kind of emblematic, unfortunately, of of what happens when an industry standard is not an industry standard. But that's for uh, that's for another podcast. But I do appreciate uh, your your coming on today's podcast, uh, Bob. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast to our audience, for our viewing and listening group. Thanks for making the Smart Tech Check podcast part of your day or commute. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast or use these on-screen QR codes to connect with me and connect with uh, Calix on their website. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mark Guy. And until next time, have a great week. And thanks again, Bob. Thank you. Appreciate it.